educators, we know you all are working hard day in and day out to meet all your students' needs. The SCDE Office of Personalized Learning wants to celebrate you and the work you're doing. We want to help tell your stories, share your processes, and the artifacts you create as you work to put students at the center of their own learning, but we can't do it without you. So send us your celebrations, stories, processes, or artifacts to personalizedlearning at ed sc.gov, tag us on Twitter at Personalized SC, or reach out to your Office of Personalized Learning Regional Coach at personalizedsc.ed.sc.gov. We can't wait to see what you send our way. It's time for Making It Personal a personalized SC podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Making It Personal podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Beach. And today we are joined by Audra Yesnack, and she is a visual arts teacher at River Bluff High. And right now I'm going to turn it over to you, Audra, to introduce yourself to our audience, and then we'll jump into the conversation. Sounds great. Thanks, Carrie. Um, I'm Audrey Yesnack. I'm a secondary art teacher. I've been a teacher um, for 24 years where I've taught both adult and um, high school art. I've taught everything from art one all the way up through AP art, ceramics, photography, graphic design, you name it, I've tried it. <laughs> so I was a former graphic designer and was able to bring that professional stuff into this world when that's been really helpful. Awesome. Well, we're so glad to have you here. And for those who are tuning in, we actually ran into Audra at an event that our office was hosting and found out that she was using the profile of the South Carolina Graduate Competencies with her AP art class. And so we're here to kind of dig into that a little bit more and just share with our listeners how you came about using the competencies, how it's going, and things like that. So I'll start our conversation off by asking you to tell us how you were initially introduced to the profile of the graduate competencies. Well, the funny thing is I kind of came at it very organically. I wasn't introduced through training, and it wasn't something that was kind of layered into our professional development at the time. I mean, I think I'd actually heard of them, but I hadn't really been introduced and so the way it came about was I had listened to a previous podcast um, during my AP class. And when I was listening to that, it sort of triggered me into like, hey, I need to start doing something a little differently and, and had some different ideas about my own curriculum. So I brought that to an, our instructional coach, um, Andrea Banghart, and she just was like, oh, and she listened to the problem. She listened to everything about it. And then she said, I think I have a solution for you. And that's how she sort of just introduced me to the competencies. And so it was really not through um, like training or like top down sort of introduction. It was really a problem solving introduction to the competencies, which I, honestly, from the teacher side, I have felt like has been the best way to be introduced to it. That's so good to hear that the podcast is helpful um, in your journey and your discovery of the competencies. That's excellent. You talked about how you went to your coach and she was able to kind of present a solution or a way that you might go about approaching 
the competency. So when you first were introduced to this strategy of how you could approach them, what was it about that strategy that made it appealing to you and made you want to say, okay, I do want to try to use this in my classroom? Well, that's excellent because the biggest issue with this particular situation was being faced with a new sort of approach to this AP art class. It's actually a whole new portfolio that the College Board set out. There's this whole focus on practice and experimentation with the art materials, supplies, approaches, et cetera. And students really kind of don't want to do that. They want to just like jump into the work and do what gets the grade, right? The art project gets the grade, therefore I'll do the art project because that's how kids are, right? And I was like, I wanted them to slow down and actually spend time doing practice and experimentation, which is what they're going to be graded on by the college board. And so I was like, what can I do to sort of get them to dive into practice and experimentation and play for play's sake and feel like it was rewarding? And I was like, well, how do you grade something that's so sort of ungradable, like, hey, why don't you try and fail? And then I'm going to give you a grade on that and be okay with it. And so that was kind of a big challenge. So the biggest thing is we had to come up with an assignment and then a way to um, assess that assignment that rewarded kids for their level of growth. And that was really what it was about, not about grading their product, but grading their approach, grading their research um, and how those outcomes happen. So when I saw the competencies and she was introducing introducing those to me with um, especially like expressing ideas was the competency we focused on the most, where kids were able to see that development and growth was the goal. Mm. And so it helped me communicate to students better on um, I'm a level four, five or six because of how much I put into it and how the work develops. And, and it you know, so from their standpoint, they had something tangible to see how they could be graded on something kind of not product-based, you know, and kids aren't used to that. And then from the teacher side, it made it easier for me because also in AP art, everything is an individual project, a single individual project. Every student has their own goals as they're working along. So how do you take one student who's working in sculpture, another student who's working in drawing and grade them equally on how well they experiment it? You know, and that was very challenging. So the competencies allowed me to see a group of um, processes and how to score their level of input and work without having to have a product at the end. Hmm. I'm hearing a theme here that our office likes to hone in on, which is process over product. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that's not a common way that we typically approach teaching and learning with students. Right. So that's awesome that you were brave and courageous enough to say, hey, I'm going to try something different here. It was actually literally the hardest thing I've done in my teaching career was developing this because um, and we are so focused on product and we still grade product, Mm -hmm. but there has to be some in between on this. And so the competencies really just allowed an opportunity to do that. We're even using it in, in our art one classes now for that. Cool. So I guess piggybacking off of that or segueing into our next question, you talked about why, you know, you decided to take this next step and implement Mm -hmm. them. So let's talk about the what. What was the first thing that you actually tried using the competencies and what made you start there? Because identifying, you know, the reasons why they would be valuable is one thing, but then actually determining how I'm going to implement this in real life with my sure. is another. So tell <laughs> us about the what that came out of this introduction to the competencies. Sure. Well, um, it's kind of, they all, they say sort of design backwards. And in this case, we were 
designing backwards in that literally we were building the plane while flying it. <laughs> so I um, I asked my students, you know, to kind of do this thing and then work forward while I dug into the meat of how to do this. So the first thing I literally did was I printed and read the whole thing. And I was literally, you know, throwing sheets and going, don't need that one, need that one, don't need that one, storing things, highlighting things. So the way that I first came into it, the way I first started using it, well, developing it. And that's the most, I think for a lot of teachers, that's going to be the most important thing to understand is you need to figure out how that competency works for your content and then, you know, tweak it to do what you need it. And so I think that's the first thing I had to do on the teacher end was start figuring out how to use the competencies. Did I need all six levels? Do I only need the levels that are for my, like we're now using levels one through three in art one, and but we're using levels four through six in AP art because that's kind of that progressive level. And so that's what I did to begin with. I started off by building, I actually ended up pulling 10 separate competencies that I boiled down for a specific content we needed. And I broke that for the kids into like a creation section and then a recording section, like how did I record my data? And so the kids could then see, these are the six competencies that will show my work well in this area. And these are the four competencies that are going to show how well I can record and report my data to um, College Board. And so um, at the end of sort of b- developing that tool, and the kids were awesome. They, I, was, I literally told them, we're going to start this process, work on it together. I trust you. If you'll trust me, we're going to get through it. And they were great. They just like said, okay, we'll, we'll work without it. So in the end, we developed a tool almost together. Um, where we sat down and we would conference with that tool. So when I, like, if I have to give it a timeline for teachers, you know, to help everybody who's kind of listening, um, I started by breaking it down with the competencies themselves, finding the ones that worked for me, rewriting them for my subject, for my specific usage that stayed true to what the competency was asking, but was specific to content area. And then I worked into how does that tool specifically work for this particular assignment? And then sat down with the kids. And in the end, the way I'm using it with them as a product is we're conferencing with that document. They have the document throughout the assignment. They know what the expectation is. I actually had to renumber mine a a three through five because that's the AP scoring. They're used to, I pass at three, I excel at five. So for the four, five, six and the competencies for me, these are three, four, fives. Mm -hmm. And so I tell them, I don't, I don't want to see anything but fives. Here's what a five looks like. Work for that. And it's really great because then they know what that expectation is. And when we conference at the end, um, the grades are usually pretty high because they knew ahead of time what that expectation was. So, um, you know, I think that's not even just how I first did it, but kind of how we've kind of gone through it. Awesome. And so specifically, this is a, a one or two page tool that you're that you've created that you use with students. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about how you have students use this tool that you've created with competencies. Okay. So it's kind of three parts. First of all, they have a formative assignment at the beginning where they set everything up. They talk about their, what their intended project is, what they want to do for their exploration. And that is a formative that they set up. They tell me their learning target. They write their own. They set up three goals. They tell me what research they need and what they think they're going to, their outcome is going to be. They make some predictions. And so that's one part. And then this, they actually do the work and that lasts about a week. And then the second part of reporting is for me, they have to do, um, it's sort of like a summative review 
Um, a lot of people would think of it as like a lab report where you report your findings. They have to record what they do on this document. They have to readdress their goals. They So they're looking backwards and self-assessing how they accomplish those goals. The competencies are really good for that, for them to look at like, how am I doing? And then in the end, they have to report their goals visually by creating a Google link where they put everything in to that link. And so then I look at both of those pieces of uh, paperwork along the way. And in the end, we sit down with the competencies on their final competency rubric. And I'm not really scoring the summative lab report. The lab report is what they bring to that discussion. And then the competencies is where we actually assess their score. So that third part is we use the competency conference for them to decide how did I do? How's my grade? What, how, and where am I going with this next? And that's the biggest part of this that we kind of haven't discussed yet is like, why am I doing this? But this particular thing is really important for them, for College Board, to take that into their projects as the next part. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love the fact that basically what you're saying is you've made learning transparent for students in that you've given them the expectations ahead of time instead of it being a guessing game or Mm -hmm. students being in the dark about what the expectation is for their growth. But the focus is still on the growth overall. Absolutely. Well, especially for this type of assignment where you might have one kid and literally I had a a student who was working in how to um, rust and alter metal at the same time. I had another student working in clay and I had another student working in charcoal. And like, how do you create a tool that will grade all of those things? And and like I said, it wasn't like they were doing it for a project at the end. My whole goal, and and I guess an important thing that the listener needs to know is I had students actually write their own for this particular assignment. They write their own learning statement. They set three goals of their very own where they say, this is what I'm going to do for my learning. This is the research that I'm going to do. And they do that at the beginning of the process. They go through a week's worth of exploration on their own, meet those goals. But on the because I have the competencies on the other end, the grading process of that for how their work went is all based on something that's more, I don't want to say abstract, but more, um, it's more about the learning itself, not about the thing or the quantity of things they did. You know, mm-hmm. what, how far did you push yourself? How far did you really excel at this level or did you just do the basics? Um, did you really push yourself beyond that? Like, that's what the the competencies was about for me. Um, and yeah, so it's a, it's a front and back piece of uh, paper where they have 10 different little competencies. And I don't use 10 for everything. When we started doing it with Art One, we chose two competencies and, and kind of grouped them into one little section. Um, but for this one, I felt like they needed to see exactly how these competencies lined up with a college board, which is another thing to to make note of is that I actually did this with the college board requirements kind of in my hand here and the competencies in my other hand over here. Mm-hmm. And I had to merge the two kind of together in that same language so that they knew how this was going to transfer to their portfolio in the end. So let's talk a little bit more about the AP side of things. One question that we get sometimes is, how can I make learning student-centered when I teach an AP class and I have this, you know, this big looming thing at the end of the year that I want to get students prepared for? How have the competencies allowed you to make learning more student-centered, especially being that you are an AP teacher? Of course, with AP Visual Art and Design, um, it's a little probably different than doing something like AP U.S. History. But our actual curriculum is very student-centered in terms of like the students have to come up with a single idea that is their idea. And then all the artworks they produce for the year is sort of produced from that sole 
whole thing. So for us, it's kind of easier because it's very student-centered to begin with. But I do think that there are ways that with the competencies, um, for example, I know a, a AP World history teacher here just recently set up a really cool learning assignment that sort of encompassed the past two units. I think when you have these great assignments you do that are for review, that are for um, supportive learning, for example, this particular one, they had to do a children's book for AP World History, where that was an ABC book, and they had to do um, rhymes and things that went with it. Having a competencies rubric, I think, would allow them to kids to see not just checklists of things, but when I've really achieved my content based on um, this growth sort of model, which I just really think the competency shows is, you know, I can achieve things at the basic level, or I can push myself to the next level up and it looks like this, and I can push myself to the next level up and it looks like that. I don't know. I just think the competencies really show you what a basic expectation is and what the higher expectation is and how to get there. I think that's how you can sort of, I mean, yes, curriculum is very heavy at the AP level, especially in more of the academic subjects, but giving students kind of like, am I meeting it at this basic level or am I meeting it at the high level is what the competencies kind of sets up for you. Yeah. Love that. I love that. Now let me switch over to the student side. How have your students benefited or what have you seen out of your students since you've been using the competencies with them versus maybe in previous years where you hadn't used the competencies? Well, it's definitely helped in this particular AP model. Um, I think one thing that we've always struggled with is like in the visual arts, we grade on um, not just did you do it, but what's the quality. And um I think the students have a hard time grasping what does excellent versus adequate or versus even just um, proficient. You know, we have the excellent, we have proficient, we have emerging is kind of our little categories. And what does each one of those look like? You know, and so I think the competencies helps them sort of look and understand a little bit more how you divide into those categories. Um, You know, it's not so opinion-based on like, I think I'm a three or I think I'm a five. Um, it really gives them something to go, oh, well, I didn't do that, but I did do that. Evidence-based. So they can con- the evidence-based, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if it's still somewhat self-reflective and opinionated on like, I think I'm here, they can really look at it and say, oh, well, I know I didn't do that. So I can say I'm not a five ca- category for that. I'm a four because I, I did all these other things, but I didn't quite get that next one. So I think that that's the best thing is... Um, Students being able to see where they are based on what you're setting up. And and I mean, we're still working through it. I can tell you that we've already gone. I just implemented the tool um, December, November, I guess, late November, early December. It's on its third revision already. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, you find your redundancies, you find where students are going like, wait, that's teacher speak. What? I don't understand. There is some teacher speak language in it. So I encourage teachers to really kind of Uh, flesh out with their kids. What do I mean by this? And, you know, make the language student friendly for your curriculum. But um, the information is just, to me, invaluable on that. And honestly, I won't use it on everything, but I can really see where I'm going to use it on, especially like anybody who does discussions, Socratic seminars, um, any type of, we do visual art critiques. Instead of just, you know, check, check, they spoke twice. I love the things, the, the way it can open up discussion assessing so that students can improve their own discussion skills. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So what are your next steps? What do you want to do moving forward with the competencies? Well, I want to see how I can work it into AP a little bit more. Currently, we have a their project rubrics are um, 
also very, not checklist based, but in a way they are. And I would love to see how we could like beef it up with some of the competencies, especially on things like expressing ideas. Um, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of meaty stuff about expressing ideas for English teachers out there or anybody who does projects. It's, it's really good for that. So I want to see if I can use that a little bit more in my project rubrics in addition to the regular criteria that we use. And that's what we're starting to do in art one is we're trying to find one or two for the art one level where we can say, if you look at these levels, it will help you self-assess because we always have our students self-assess their own projects in terms of like, where am I? Where do I think I am? And that helps them two ways. One, students have a better realistic expectation for where their grade should be instead of being like, I did the project, I should get 100. Mm-hmm. You know, with art teachers, we struggle with that, uh, but they they get to really see that. So I think the competencies will help us with that a lot too, in terms of like, which individual one um, can we use um, for each art project so that we're at least getting one of those competencies in per thing. I think the higher levels can use more competencies per individual assignment where the lower levels really do just need, you know, one or two here or there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we can't wait to see where you go with this. (laughs) And speaking of that, we've really enjoyed just chatting with you and just hearing more about your story. My last question for you is if there's anybody listening who wants to reach out to you to hear more about what you're doing with competencies or follow you along your journey with competencies, what's the best way that they can reach you? Well, um, I'm not a social media person anymore. I actually fell out of it on, not on purpose during 2020. I just started doing yard work instead of Facebook and I never <laughs> went back. Hey, <laughs> so, you know, Hey, that's how it went. But, um, uh, so I'm not a social media person on things like that, but, um, I would love for people to reach out through email. I will tell you I'm an equal opportunity offender with email. That's not my purpose. It's just being an art teacher. I don't have my computer in front of me a lot, but I love to reach out to people and share my story and my journey. So if they want to get to me, they can get to me through email. Um, and that's a Yesnak, Y-E-S-N-A-C-H at Lexington numeral one dot net. And you'll probably link that in our stuff. But, um, you know, I, as long as they've got patience, I promise I'll answer. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. This has been a great conversation. We'll be right back to close things out. Well, I've enjoyed it. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Making It Personal. Connect with the Office of Personalized Learning by visiting our website, personalizedsc.ed.sc.gov. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend, and tune in for a new episode every month. We'll catch you next time on Making It Personal. See ya!